we're trying to wake ourselves up as quickly as possible, stay high all day long, you know, caffeinated, whatever it is, and then fall asleep as quickly as possible. Bonjour, as they say, where I am right now, in Paris. By the time you're listening to this, I'll be back in New York, or en route back to New York, but that's where I'm recording this intro. So it's going to be short, because I need to leave the hotel room and go out for the day and explore. And we have a very long, great episode with Rochelle. She's the founder of Supernatural. We talk about herbalism and her story in this episode we talk about kava and changing careers she used to work in fashion we talk about current trends and wellness and the dangers of trends we talk about fashion and style because she has such great fashion style anxiety body image breakups we also at the very end talk about productivity and some productivity hacks that she has in a really interesting way that's helped me a lot I enjoy her. I enjoy this conversation. I think you will too. Thank you to our sponsors. Thank you to you for listening. If you're new to this podcast, I hope you stick around and check out the archive. I've been doing this since 2013. It's my favorite thing I've ever done because I think podcasting is the new networking. It's allowed me to meet so many people. I'm hanging out with people in Paris because of this podcast. Anyway, if you want to start a podcast or you have any desire to meet people in this way or you've been thinking about sharing something or interviewing people or you have a documentary style podcast you want to do, whatever it is, I've been helping other people start podcasts with something I have called Let a Podcast Out. It's a workshop that I do a couple times a year where I help people do what I call DIY podcasting. So podcasting like I do alongside a full-time job or alongside something else as a hobby, not an NPR gimlet, but as a hobby. Anyway, right now you can take a course tour of that. It's an online workshop and check it out and see if it's something that you want to do. It's completely free. And I'm doing an Instagram live on 310, March 10th which is pretty soon. So 7.30, I'm going to be on the Let a Podcast Out Instagram answering any questions, podcasting, just talking about podcasts we like, hanging out. I think it should be pretty fun. But in the meantime, take the course tour and there's this early bird pricing that we have right now and that only goes till March 21st. You've got a bunch of time, but after that, the price goes up just to incentivize people. If they know they want to do it, just sign them now. It doesn't start till April 1st, so you've got a lot of time. But anyway, I love you guys. Thanks for listening, and I'll talk to you at the end. This episode is brought to you in part by Emmy's Organics, some of my favorite snacks in the world. I love their founder, Samantha. They are this wonderful company that makes this delicious, 
treat that satisfies a sweet tooth, that satisfies a craving. I'm gonna get one right after this. They're made with almond flour and coconut flour, very simple ingredients. They're organic, gluten-free, vegan, grain-free, soy-free. They're great with a cup of coffee or tea, a little dessert. My friend Carolina puts them in her kid's lunch as a treat. You can find them nationwide at Whole Foods or Sprouts or CVS or at emmysorganics.com where you can get 40% off of your first order with the code LETITOUT. Again, that's 40%. That's almost half off of all of the percents at emmysorganics.com with the code LETITOUT. Another thing I really love about this company is they're a certified B Corp, which is considered the highest standard of corporate responsibility. They were founded in a home kitchen by my friend Samantha and her husband Ian, and they started in 2009. And I just love this company. For some reason, I thought it was relevant to tell you they started in 2009. I don't know. Maybe that'll get you to order the fact that they were founded that year. I don't know. It was a recession-ish, maybe. Anyway, get 40% off your first order by going to emmysorganics.com and entering the code LETITOUT at checkout. Thank you, Emmys. I love you guys. It's been a long time coming, but we, we <laughs> met so serendipitously at your space. Was it? When was it? Oh, gosh. It was... Fall, right? Yeah. I want to say summer. I know it was warm. It was definitely warm because I, I went out of the, I had to be out of the house to do my morning pages that morning because we have a cleaning lady come every other week. And I was like, I want to try somewhere new this, this week. And then I was like, oh, I've been meaning to go there. It's perfect. And it was such a serendipitous meeting. Can I pour some tea? Before yeah, please. Okay. Let's start at the very beginning. What were you like as a kid? Have you always been a creative person? Have you always been into herbalism? What was your family like? Tell me everything. <laughs> <laughs> well, well, where'd you grow up? I grew up in Washington State. I grew up on a farm, mostly in Washington State. My parents divorced when I was young. So I was going back and forth between a farm life where I spent most of the time and then a little bit more of like a suburban kind of neighborhood environment. But I, you know, 90% of the time or more, I was on the farm. Was that your mom or your dad? Dad. Dad and four brothers, all of whom were younger than me. Wow. Yeah. And a lot of, a lot of country and not a lot of people. Like we lived in a very small town. There was no stoplight, but my dad was a doctor. So we had this sort of dual life in that we lived in a really humble place, but then we were also able to travel the world in really adventurous ways. And my dad was very much about finding, you know, the edge of civilizations and, you know, not shy of putting us into travel situations that were maybe a little bit uncomfortable because they were in the middle of nowhere in Africa, like beyond a safari, you know, camping on the Maasai Mara. So it was like wow. life-changing experiences that gave us these sort of global perspectives and then also coming home and living in a tiny little town that was, you know, very poor and, you know, a completely different world. Yeah. And I loved the, the travel aspect of it and hated the farm aspect of it. And, you know, we, we truly did work on the farm. It wasn't something we had to do for our livelihood because, you know, dad was a 
practicing anesthesiologist, but he treated it as if it were our livelihood to sort of teach us this, you know, experience of manual labor and work at that sort of intensity. My dad's an intense person. So we were shoveling shit and taking care of animals and building fences and like outdoors working, you know, doing chores every day and on the weekends and sort of tortured by the fact that like, you know, our garden was six times the size that it needed to be. And we would give the food away to all our neighbors. And it's like, why do we have to weed, you know, this entire sort of plantation of vegetables and just give it away? And, you know, dad was teaching us something with yeah. that practice. So on the farm, I was determined to get the hell off the farm and move to New York City and work in fashion. Mm. So I chose, you know, the exact opposite and was just had my sights set on that. And eventually that's exactly what I did. Were you close with your siblings and did they have the propensity to want to leave as well? Or we we've always been close. Our childhood, frankly, was really rough from a sort of emotional standpoint. So we bonded in that kind of environment and we remain close. We don't talk a ton, but I think we're just this forever, you know, you relationship. the trauma of childhood. Sure, exactly. exactly. Yeah, <laughs> which anyone who has done that, you know, has yeah. done that. They didn't quite share my drive to get as far away. Mm -hmm. I mean, they do live very urban lives in Seattle. They stayed in the Pacific Northwest. They've toyed with other places, but now both are married. One has a kid. One is working on family soon. They're not going to leave that life anytime soon. And I did that. And then I just kept going. Like I really wanted to be here and I wanted to sort of go farther away and go, you know, I had pretty big career ambitions and that kind of thing. So they were supportive and they definitely related. It's not that any of us, you know, well, I'm probably the closest to have coming, you know, I'm probably the closest to having come back to the land, yeah. if you will. They don't really share that, but they are very health and wellness aware. Yeah. So we have a lot of, we have more similarities than differences. What's your greatest lesson on family? Oh, that is an amazing question. That's so hard to answer. Uh, I feel like the thing that, that's sticking in mind is something about communication and the value of that for sort of catharsis and relationship and understanding and sort of processing all the, the complications of the relationships that a family is made of. So, you know, I think about the way that my com my parents communicated with me, which often was way more adult than is sort of typical. Mm -hmm. Partly, you know, oldest child syndrome, real divorce stuff, you know, yeah. having lots of younger siblings to kind of quote unquote take care of. So I, I was able to see my parents as people, people exactly yeah. earlier. And then, you know, from sibling to sibling communication is, just sort of simply critical. And so there's something about that that I think, you know, it's not easy to be part of a family and it's not easy to be without a family either. And I think communication is just really key for processing things in a healthy way. 
So I don't know. That may not be the, the biggest no, one. No, it's true. <laughs> I mean, in, in all relationships, communication is important. Family, yeah, no different. Do you have any routines for communication or just like family routines that help those relationships for you? As I've gotten older, I've definitely made a point of being in constant, not constant, but regular contact with my family. So I think there's that period of time where I went to college and moved to New York. It was just detaching from that, which I think is a normal part of growing up too. And now I make a point of, I mean, I talk to my mom almost every day via text. And then I call my dad every single weekend now without fail, even though, you know, when I was a kid, I swore I would you know never talk to him again kind yeah. of thing. I'm working on rebuilding the relationship with my brothers to be more intact and more regular. And it really is just, I think the practice is just making sure that that communication is, is healthy and, and frequent. And I think that just comes with time and learning and learning that that's the right cadence for my family. And yeah, and, and working at it, mm-hmm. even if it's a, a quick little conversation. And I, I've also learned that the more often we're in touch, the less work it is because yeah. it doesn't feel like, okay, take a deep breath. Like I have to, you know, catch my, you and know, family exhausting. member up. Yeah, yeah. On the last six months of my life or three months of my life or whatever it is. And if you just check in periodically, it's a lot easier and a lot more casual. So that's a lesson I've just been learning since being away from home of I needed that distance. I needed that. I think that's a phase. And then I found my relationship, especially with, with both of my parents really wasn't working because of like too much distance essentially of like that having to, to catch up and it being exhausting for me. And then on their end, them feeling not loved or not yeah. seen or not part of my life. And so I've been trying like you to more constant communication. Yeah. Yeah. It's like any relationship, you know, totally. you have to nur- like any herb, you have to nurture it and yeah. water it and yeah. give it what it needs. So why New York other than it being far away and why fashion? Yeah. The why fashion thing has always been a little challenging for me to answer. New York City to me just looked like the the center of the world. And it was also definitely the place to be for fashion. So those were intertwined for me. New York was the biggest city in within reach or sort of, well, not even within reach. It felt very out of reach, frankly, but it was just like, that's the, that's the goal. And I kind of set my sights high and fashion. You know, I don't know where the seeds were planted exactly. My mom had magazines around and there was always this like style consciousness in my family. My parents were impeccably dressed. I mean, my grandparents were impeccably dressed. You know, we learned things like Tiffany's table manners and this sort of etiquette and, you know, matching shoes to handbags to eyeshadow, like funny stuff that maybe that's where some of the seeds came from. But there was also, I was also really drawn to photography and for a long time thought that was something I was going to do. I was a writer from the time I was, you know, I don't know what grade I I bought my first sort of journal in, but it may have been, you know, third or fourth grade. I've been writing ever since. So I wanted to write in fashion. Uh, I I started modeling um, and I loved the, the flamboyancy and the creative expression of the fashion industry a lot. It was also something that I personally used to express myself throughout my childhood as a little bit 
of an or a largely an outcast at school. So short story there is I went to a religious school and I wasn't religious. Mm-hmm. So I was ostracized a bit. What religion? Uh, Christianity, like non-denominational Christianity. Okay. Um, but I was, I was like the only kid in the school that was publicly not saved. So everyone was on a mission to oh my God. save me. Oh my God. That's a movie. I feel like. <laughs> it, was, it was not fun, but it would make a great movie. So many scenes. So I was like, fine, I'm going to wear wings and combat boots cool. and glitter. And the next day I'm going to wear like, you know, grandpa pants from the thrift store. And I just went for it with clothes. So, you know, that, was something I was using. And then of course I was just devouring every magazine that I could. And it was all, it was all a sort of romantic escapism, self-expression, you know, art uh, scene that I was completely outside of in a small little town Mm -hmm. and then got a good taste of in Seattle and then continued here. So, so did you move here for college? No, I moved here after college. So you went to school in Seattle Mm -hmm. and studied fashion and then did you get a job here? What brought you here? <laughs> <laughs> I'm smiling because I didn't study fashion. I was too, I felt like I had to be sort of practical with my education, which yeah, is so silly. Same. Like I should have studied, studied creative writing or something or art, but I studied business and journalism. It's probably helpful. <laughs> I studied journalism too. Yeah. So journalism, I added on it the, like the last year I was like, wait, I paid all this money and I don't feel like I got enough of an education. Let me at least, you know, throw something else in. So, and I was on the side, I was doing everything I could to work in the fashion industry. So in Seattle, there was a small scene. I was modeling, I was styling, I was producing little shoots with people. There was a good, a good little scene there. However, every few months, one of the people in that scene would move to New York. Mm. It was a consistent exodus. So then after school, I, at some point I, I decided it was like always part of the plan and I was just kind of moving toward when is it the right time to move. And part of it was just finishing school. Part of it was financial. Part of it was like, you know, just the right time. Yeah. And there was this moment where I was writing for a magazine there and then I had modeled and I was on the cover of the magazine. And that same week I had been modeling for Nordstrom, which is also where I worked. And I was like, this is all way too, you know, sort of incestuous or like, this is the ceiling in Seattle. Like we've, you've officially hit the ceiling. It's time to go. (laughs) So shortly thereafter I moved and I had no job and I had no real no apartment and I didn't have good friends here. I had two suitcases and was totally scared and felt like I'd waited too long to move. It was like I should have come here before college, whatever. And it was just like figure it out. And I totally did starving New York scene for a good amount of time. But I got there and I ended up working in fashion with all the people that I, you know, idolized and had a great time and it happened, but there was there was the struggle. <laughs> Were you being here. into herbalism and wellness along the way? And when did you shift out of fashion? Yeah. So um I on the side, this is nice acoustics. Mm-hmm. <laughs> on the side, and this came from religious school, but also a little bit earlier than that, I was on a sort of spiritual quest, I was, I have always been really fascinated with 
this like the ether with the 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 whatever it is that's that is reality that is existence that is you know between what we know with our actual senses and i had no idea what the hell i was searching for when i was young but that sort of spiritual quest persisted throughout childhood was really intense during the religious school time because i was inundated with this is the religion this is that thing that you're seeking and i was sure it wasn't so i was looking for you know where else i might find it and that quest or that you know passion and interest has persisted i mean it persists to this day and then in parallel you know growing up with dad as a doctor anesthesiologist specifically which is you know medicating people not so far from what i do now mom is a nutritionist and mm-hmm. dietitian you know i grow up around food medicine bodies brains drugs like all that stuff and i realized and that and the farm and the farm totally and i'm always practicing that on myself on the side so i may be working in fashion but like i'm trying all of these different diets or health practices or fitness routines or yoga or meditation you know going on retreats and that sort of thing so those were all just personal pursuits. I never wanted it to be my career. Like my dad and I specifically had a conversation about working in healthcare and he, you know, suggested that I might want to do something more quote unquote meaningful with my life than fashion and I was just like, "Nope. <laughs> That's what I want to do." And at at some point, I sort of realized that my, you know, mystical pursuits, my body hacking type, you know, practices that those were all one and the same thing and that plants were the central, you know, theme in all of it. And then I was starting to be asked by people in the fashion world what I was doing on the side mm-hmm. and personally as a lifestyle because it showed when I, you know, brought my food or was drinking weird waters or like went on vacations places and it sort of got pulled to the surface. So it wasn't it was never absent sometimes it was more dormant than others mm-hmm. for sure and it was never my intention to make it a business until it got pulled out and i sort of i, I acquiesced and said okay fine you know i'll i'll talk about this publicly and it just it went from there okay so, you know it's right right it yeah. just it takes off it's interesting how your propensity for fashion and aesthetics alone now has blended with your love of herbalism because I look at your work as so aesthetically you and I see your fashion influences aesthetically through Supernatural and through just everything you put out, which I think is really cool. And then also how it just kind of rose to the top when you weren't expecting it. And I'm wondering if the, at the time that this was all happening, I'm assuming it's, you know, in the last several years where wellness itself is just becoming such a trend and a fad and, and can you talk about that and how it, how those things all combined? Yeah, that, well, thank you for appreciating the aesthetics of it. I have fun with that. And that was more specifically what I was trying to do when I did start talking about it is, you know, I want to present this information in a way that is sexy, Mm -hmm. accessible, chic, like all the things that it 
is probably overly now um, <laughs> because back then, you know, there weren't these places that you could go and read information that even felt credible a lot of the times and definitely didn't feel wasn't attractive to mm-hmm. look at, wasn't cool, wasn't, you know, written by. About what year uh, is this? Gosh, I mean, I think it's been six years since, I think my business is like on paper six years mm-hmm. old. So it could have been just like before. 2012, 2013. Yeah, mm-hmm. I think I was, I was like out before mm-hmm. I actually yeah. formed a business. So, so when I started, which was just blogging, literally blogging and, you know, some Instagram the intention was like I was using photos from the fashion world to accompany the editorials that I was writing, the information that I was putting out about hypnotherapy and intermittent fasting and bulletproof coffee and all this stuff. So it was it was a, to- a very conscious merging of those two, like the aesthetics and then the information of the health and wellness worlds, which were largely, you know, underground. Like I was getting information from bodybuilding forums and like weird witchy websites and all these places and kind of putting it all together or going a lot of it was me going and directly experiencing this stuff like okay my that's how I met my friend the hypnotherapist Daniel Ryan who's incredible I saw his services at Maha Rose mm-hmm. and you know signed myself up and we've been friends ever since and he's he's doing great now but it's like what is past life regression you know so far out back then yeah. it sounded and and that was the timing I couldn't have predicted, you know, the popularity of wellness, but having gotten started and kind of knowing, well, very much knowing what I was about when I was interested in what my point of view on some of these things were before the tidal wave of popularity hit has been really helpful because I think I was able to establish a bit of a foundation instead of being swept up and then trying to establish roots amid the, you know, some of the turmoil that it is now. And it's, it can be very saturated or it's confusing. Lots of people enter the market because it's popular and then try to carve out a niche. And I don't feel like I've had to do that. I mean, we, everyone does to some degree, but it's felt very sincere from the Mm -hmm. beginning because like I would be doing this Hopefully, you know, if I had <laughs> enough demand, regardless of whether or not it was popular, you yeah. know, that isn't why I'm in it. So. Well, I'm really interested and in, because I had this, this, what we're doing right now used to be called Wellness Wonderland and I've been doing it. I've been doing the podcast alone since 2013 and I had a blog, The Wellness Wonderland since 2011. So like I was also, and I was nice. in the Midwest, like, you know, not, <laughs> but what it led to for me was an eating disorder, mm-hmm. you know? And so mm-hmm. I come into this from the perspective of what you were saying, the downsides of wellness are all the things you mentioned and also exclusivity yeah. and dogma, you know, like it's, it's like another religion where yeah. it's like another class system, I think now. So being in New York and being in wellness, I look at your brand as accessible and fun and interesting and like no one needs kava to survive, but it can be really fun to play with. And it's a privilege thing for us to even be having this conversation so we can acknowledge that. But what are some ways to live and play in the wellness world without being dogmatic? Can you talk about that? Yeah. I mean, firstly, I'm really glad that you know, my work comes across as accessible. I am trying to keep it that way, to Mm -hmm. make it that way and to keep it that way, which even meant coming down from some of the 
original aesthetics because those were meant to be so, you know, pointedly chic, which we definitely don't need now. So for me, the place that I am working in in wellness is plant-based wellness. And that means food and that means herbs and that means your environment. And I would say some, I would say most of that can be extremely accessible in that, you know, I'm talking about carrots and garlic and cinnamon and parsley and whatever, you know, and even just a piece of produce, if that is the best that one can do, not you have to have the herb from the Amazon that's $80 an ounce or whatever it is, or CBD, you know. So I'm trying to meet people where they are. And, you know, not all of my work is accessible all the time, but, you know, there are different people with different needs and at different places in the industry. So I think that just, you know, if you're a, if you're a consumer, a, you know, a reader or follower or something in this space, the most important thing is to try to understand what your own body and mind and life need, as opposed to being subject to, you know, the marketing and the trends and the peer pressure, because there's a ton of that right now. So a lot of times I'm fielding questions from people that are, I bought all the adaptogens because I was told to, and now please help me use them. Now I have no money. (laughs) Yeah. Or that. Yeah. And most of the time that is not as helpful as making some really basic diet changes and all of the work that I do with clients one-on-one, like all of it, no matter who comes in with what, you know, budget and lifestyle, we're talking about basic self-care stuff, like how to prepare your own meals or choose the right foods for your body and your life, how to make tea on a regular basis, you know, and then what kinds of herbs you can put in that tea, how to get to bed a little bit earlier or how to breathe a little bit better, you know. So I talk a lot in a public way because I'm asked about things like adaptogens and CBD and some of the popular stuff, but behind the scenes or you see it more on social now on my Instagram now too, the work that I'm doing with people that's actually changing their lives and that's sticking. And it's, it seriously works for everyone. I mean, I've been seeing clients for years now and they all get better. And it's, it's stuff like that. It's really, it's the most accessible stuff. And no one asks for more because they don't need more after those changes happen. So what I'm, I, I think just keep that in mind, you know, if you're in the wellness space and you're you're looking to, to consume some of it or try to get some of the goodness from it. And then I guess just as an insight or a sort of preview, you know, I'm, I'm looking for ways to, or developing some ways to share that kind of education with people in a, in a bigger way, because so much of it right now for me is happening in those one-on-one sessions mm-hmm. behind closed doors. And I know that a lot more people are asking for it and that there's a little bit of a lack of it in the wellness space. Simplicity, you mean? Yeah, simplicity, the accessible stuff, Mm -hmm. the you know, the basics that are not they're not that basic because we have either not learned how to do them or forgotten how how to do them. We don't know how, you know, often we don't know how to get to sleep, get a good night's sleep, make a lunch, make a breakfast. Because I think our society is like 
going right to adaptogens and CBD and skipping all of the things that I would characterize as stepping stones to that because we're a society that wants a pill that wants totally. an easy fix. And so we're like, Oh, this is, this is it, which, you know, I think as much as the next guy adaptogens and celery juice and whatever can be interesting and interesting to explore and sometimes very useful, mm-hmm. you know, herbs, herbalism, especially, but like we were saying, it's not, it's not necessary. It's like a fun thing to try. And I guess I'm curious about herbalism in particular, because I think that's, that's what I kind of see as a niche of yours. Mm-hmm. And I think herbalism is, I've gotten into it somewhat recently and I think it's really fun. And I love making, I love going to flower power and buying things and, mm-hmm. and making different concoctions. So I want to talk about that a little bit, but would you consider that as like one of your niches and how did you get into herbalism specifically? Yeah, it is definitely a niche. I think herbalism sort of emerged for me as something that I realized I had been practicing and studying instead of me sort of saying herbalism is something I want to study. I have studied it after I sort of realized that I was already working with it. Um, And that can be from making my own products here at home, products for body, internal, anything, or coming at it from a direction of maybe I'm in the bodybuilding forum and I'm looking at the mechanism of action of some supplement or some pharmaceutical that's on the market that I want to sort of mimic in a natural form and then finding that a plant has that, you know, same action. And so sort of coming into herbalism through back doors and then deciding that I wanted to go deeper with it. So (laughs) I have studied it several times in different ways more deeply and it's i mean herbalism is it's awesome it can be food medicine it can be plant medicine it can be your skincare it can be your tinctures and teas and decoctions and everything it's it's medicine you know uh and it's it's also always been the people's medicine I feel like it's really having a a moment right now. Do you feel like that too? Like people are itching for it and wanting it and more so than two years ago, a year ago. Would Mm -hmm. you say that too? Yeah, I would. I hope it continues. It's a little, I don't see it as, it's not caught on the way that adaptogens has Mm -hmm. caught on, which is so funny because many herbalists, the older, the older guard just sort of laugh at the term adaptogens even. Like it's not accurate. It's not real. It doesn't mean anything. Like we made it up. It's yeah. What did explain that? (laughs) So, I mean, adaptogenic herbs is a category of herbs and they're categorized based on their action. So the action of not of adaptogenic herbs is non-specific, normalizing, and then they're non-toxic. Those are sort of the three criteria that are most commonly agreed upon as the definition of an adaptogenic herb. And some herbalists are like, yes, that that is a way to categorize herbs. And these eight or nine herbs fit that definition, most of which are ginsengs and then some other plants. Thomas Easley is a great herbalist. He's somebody that I respect a lot. His I just got his medicine making book actually yesterday, which is back here. And he sort of scoffs at the term and, you know, it's like, it's, it's like calling something an alterative, you know, and that it sort of alters our, Mm -hmm. our state. And it's just not, it's not as 
as our understanding of the human body and plants and the sort of mechanisms of action evolve over time, some of these definitions fall out of use or should fall out of use because they're no longer accurate. And that is the territory that adaptogens can be considered in or the term adaptogen. But Moon Juice and, and Sun Potion and whoever else have put it on the map in such a big way that a lot of times I meet people who are using it as a synonym for herbs and herbalism overall. Mm. And maybe no harm, no foul. That's definitely Semantics. inaccurate. Yeah. yeah. But if it's opening the door to just like CBD, I'm interested in, you know, how CBD affects me. How can other plants affect me in the same, you know, or in other ways? Those could be really good gateways to the world of herbalism. But I don't see that. I, I mean, if you do, that makes me really excited. I, I haven't seen that sort of hook and momentum for herbalism yet. Like I've seen, you know, yeah. adaptogens and CBD catch on. Do you think it will? Is that part of your mission? Yeah, it is part of my mission. <laughs> or I would say more accurately, my mission is to continue to sort of correct any misinformation and try to shine a light on all the other plants that, you know, could help people and often help them better than, you know, I have lots of plants that are probably better for you if you think you need an adaptogen. Sometimes you need an adaptogen, but sometimes you don't. And sometimes I've read they can even be harmful totally. for different thyroid issues or different things that I don't really know, but I've they can be counterproductive to totally. certain people because we're all so different. Yeah. And they're very strong and there's a lot of reasons why. I mean, it's like it's eight or nine plants and yeah. there are thousands, you know? Right. So I'm trying to just shine a light on some of the others. And I was having a conversation earlier today about how, you know, cannabis and all of the terpenes in cannabis are getting a lot of attention. And I can take the terpene conversation and point it again to all the other plants that, that also contain these terpenes that are getting famous from cannabis. So that's the sort of consistent like attention redirection that I guess I'm doing. Yeah. And if people do start to use more plants as medicine and, and primarily in their food, that's the first place I want to be, then I will feel like I've done some good work. Let's talk about some, in herbalism, some of those bench warmer plants, you know, the ones yeah. that aren't the adaptogens that are getting all the airtime. And I was going to ask you this anyway, what has herbalism done for you? And what are maybe some herbalism tools that people listening could take with them? Hmm. Yeah, let's see. I mean, I use plants pretty much all day long at this point. And sometimes it's for fun. A lot of times it's for supporting or augmenting my state of mind. So, you know, I'll drink stuff in the morning. A lot of times I use like rosemary essential oil to wake up. I'll use kava during our conversation to just kind of hang out with it. I don't feel like I need it, but I really like it. And I'm really glad to drink that instead of alcohol, for example. I also, let's see. I mean, at this point, I've really surrounded myself with herbs and plants and I think overall what it's helped me do is play and learn and feel like I have a really healthy balance and a strong relationship with nature, even though I live in New York City. Mm -hmm. So a lot of times they're my friends. Like there's a little, you know, plant tincture, or there's a little tea or there's something in my pocket or in my bag or at home or waiting for me. And that is a really nice support system. And if you're using 
gentle plants or in the formats that are right for you, they can be a wonderful nourishment and support and not be causing harm, like you mentioned with some of the adaptogens, not overstimulating you. You know, if you want to sedate yourself, you surely can, but you know, you can do something gentler too and sort of wean off this need to. A lot of times we're, you know, trying to wake ourselves up as quickly as possible, stay high all day long, you know, caffeinated, whatever it is, and then fall asleep as quickly as possible. And we do that with substances and using, you know, gentler herbs to sort of balance that out can normalize health and also support longevity as opposed to this sort of like, yeah, highs and lows and highs and lows. Yeah. So what are your morning and evening routines? (laughs) (laughs) So usually I'm a pretty big proponent of simplicity. Last fall, I started to add more and more herbs to my routine. And right now I'm in the middle of testing a ton. So there is a lot going on, which makes it really fun to answer. But I, I have to say that in, I don't know, give me one more month and I'll probably take them all out and go back to one in the morning and one at night. So right now, let's see, I wake up and I look outside, which I know is not, you know, officially part of herbalism, but I think that that daylight first thing in the morning is really important. What time do you get up? I get up at about seven, depends on the day but usually seven. I don't have a set routine just because my life is so Mm -hmm. (laughs) different from day to day. But yeah, around seven. I usually sleep like 10.30 to seven. It's like 11 to seven, something like that. I drink a big thing of water. So like that size of water. Right now I have chlorophyll in the water because I have it left over from an event. I prefer to eat my chlorophyll, but since I have it, I'm going to drink it. And then I'm also testing a tincture from Herb Farm that's called Warming Circulation. So it's a blend of cayenne and ginkgo and some herbs that are warming and circulating. I've really liked that. It's a little bit spicy and I have a pretty low tolerance for the cold. So I'm enjoying the warming aspects of that. And I take a probiotic when I do that. I've been making a broth in the wintertime with my herbs. And in that, that broth, it is a water base, sometimes simmered with fresh ginger. Um, Sometimes it's just water. Then I add chickpea miso and nutritional yeast. So Mm -hmm. sodium and B vitamins. The the nutritional yeast is definitely fortified with B12. I'm not low, but I'm just kind of testing what it feels like to have B as a supplement. I'm adding ginseng in there right now, also as an experiment to see if it affects my tolerance to the cold. Uh, Ashwagandha which I started last fall because I get super busy in the falls and just fries my nerves. So that one's an adaption. A blend from Cat Beauty that I've been testing, the 8 a.m. blend. So that one has rhodiola primarily and some other things. And then I also have another liquid later (laughs) that includes mucunapurian, which is a really, it's also called dopamine bean. So that one I started testing early last year and I really like it. It's a direct support for dopamine production. Cool. Yeah. And then I also add L-theanine in there. And I started using L-theanine early last year when I was producing the herbals and testing all the ingredients for the herbals again. And I just fell in love with L-theanine again. It was something that I used when I was young. That's officially a supplement and not, you know, an herb. It's in green tea and that sort of thing. But it will take, I think the simplest way to describe it is that it will take caffeine if you're pairing it with caffeine and sort of focus that caffeine in mental 
performance cool. as opposed to your physical body. What's so, that one called? L-theanine. Okay. It's, it naturally occurs in green tea. So a lot of times you see people say, you know, matcha or green tea doesn't give me the jitters and I don't crash. Mm. The large difference there is that it contains L-theanine, which balances out that caffeine high and sort of redirects it to your mental you know, activity as opposed to your physical body where you're feeling like my heart is racing, my palms are sweating, mm-hmm. I'm like too, I'm anxious. So, Jittery. and if you don't have caffeine, it can be a sort of calm focus. So it's like a daytime calmness without sedation. So I use those two with a little bit of cold brew coffee, which we make here in the, again, in the morning. So all of that is just like, it's all liquids until I eat, which is usually it, de- it depends, but it's usually sometime around noon is when mm-hmm. I start having my food. So it's a long... <laughs> what about in the evening? What are the last three things you do to wind down? And as a busy, productive entrepreneur person, how do you shut down and wind down? I try to take down all the stimulus sort of as quickly as possible. So lights, there's dimmer switches on all these lights. All the lights go down, get off my screen really as soon as possible. Like after our, I've already resolved that after our conversation, I'm not looking at the screen for the rest of the night. Like definitely could, but you know, trying to be more regular about that. I do use blue light filters on all the devices too. So they go down if I am using them after dark. I try not to eat too late and I always make some kind of tea for sleep. Again, I'm testing a ton of tinctures from Herb Farm right now. So I'm cycling between a few different Nervines primarily, which is what the herbals are made out of also. So these are great alternatives to adaptogens. They calm your nervous system. Another category of herbs are called hypnotic analgesics. That's a nice way to you sort of relieve pain with relaxation. So those are relaxing herbs again. But usually what I do is I make some kind of tea, some kind of herbal tea, not too large a volume. So I don't drink a bunch of water before I go to sleep. And I take magnesium. What type of activities are you doing? Do you read? Do you, hmm. like, what are you, are you watching stuff? <laughs> a lot of times I lay on the floor <laughs> or I practice yeah. yoga. Like I'm very, we were talking earlier about ergonomics. Yeah. I feel like I end up carrying heavy stuff a lot of the time. So I will get on the floor and I'll use a foam roller. I'll use blocks. If I, if I have eaten early enough that my stomach is pretty well digested, I will practice yoga I'll stretch. I'll listen to music. Sometimes I read, but usually I don't have the mental capacity to read. I save, what I do is I save my offline activities for the evening. So doing the dishes, prepping my food for the next day, maybe having a phone conversation with one of my family members, uh, listening to a podcast. A lot of times I find that like the visual intake of more words or more information is just like too much. Yeah. Yeah. In the evening I'm like done. Yeah. So sort of just like I can listen to things. Sometimes I don't listen to anything. Uh, And I really like, for me, my body, my like physical, you know, am I stretched? Did I work out all the kinks? Like that physical realignment is really important. So I I really do like end up on the floor just like stretching and like doing backbends and like trying to just be, you know, reconnect with my breath, that kind of thing. Cool. You have this cafe also where, strange. where we met <laughs> called Supernatural. I'm, I love the name. It opened somewhat recently. Can you talk about 
the space and where the idea came from and and then what's the reaction to it then? Yeah. So Supernatural opened last, well, I should say Supernatural Cafe opened last January. And I make that distinction just because Supernatural is so many things now and in the future. So the cafe piece opened inside the womb center and that came out of a relationship with Davin and Elion who run the the womb center. Which is a yoga studio in Manhattan. Yep. And um, we, so I popped up there for the year and it was really well received. It was a great place for me to be able to be available in person for people to just walk in with questions, buy herbs, experience, you know, the drinks that I could Were make. Were you doing, because at this yoga studio, you get like a little bit of, uh, you get like the, a little the treat. Shots? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> after, <laughs> I like, couldn't think of a word for it, after class, which is such a delight. Yeah. Was that something that you created for them? I didn't create it for them. Okay. They were doing that. So their part of their concept is that their yoga is uh, multisensorial. So you get the taste and the sound and the scent. So like they have scent. Cool. Yeah. Yeah. So they it's had an experience. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. So they had created the elixir shots before I was there. Got it. Um, and when I was there, I was also some of the time creating elixirs for them. Sometimes they were creating them. We sort of shared that piece of it. Mm -hmm. And then Supernatural Cafe was the menu were all the things that I had developed and wanted to offer people. So things like the dopamine bean or, um, you know, the Nervines or whatever herbs, you know, I wanted people to know about really. Yeah. And I think it was also a way for me to have products that I cared about. And I think, you know, my sessions, some of my sessions were there too, the one-on-one client work and largely that piece of being able to be just available for anybody to walk in with a question was really special. Supernatural right now is actually being remodeled, evolving, changing. Oh, cool. So that physical space will be something new and different. Oh, wow. When is that going to start? It's it's happening now. Okay. I I can't put a timeline yeah. on the... Is it still open though? It's open, but it's very... It's different already. Okay. So the biggest... I would say the biggest change is I'm not there. Yeah. And that was... That's, that's largely intentional. And then the menu is not there right now. So you... <laughs> go, go on <laughs> so basically uh, all i can't the reason i can't put a timeline on it is you can't put a timeline on like construction projects and have it be so there's no so, menu like but there's a paper menu so you can order from I'm gonna right now supernatural cafe is under construction got it okay. so i was gonna go on friday so i'm glad i asked don't go, yeah don't go on i was friday. literally meeting a friend there on friday so oh. i'm glad i asked so you can go be in the space but like you won't but be I'm able not to drink it like drinks. a milk yeah got it so that it's evolving and changing and and also I'm expanding. Cool. So Exciting. all those things. TBD. Yeah. I'll have an update when this comes out. Yes. For whatever is happening. I'll put it in the intro. Yeah, I'll let you know. And it's all it's all like landing right now. But as these things do, I don't want to, you know, publicly claim totally. timing I'm, on anything. I have a project like that too, that I'm just saying spring, <laughs> which yeah, could exactly. mean anything from like March to June. Perfect. So, so we'll say we'll say spring yeah, for great expansion. If it's summer, whatever. Yes, exactly. So that is super exciting. And that 
came out of all the things that I learned, yeah. you know, being in, being in this space for yeah. a year and having more demand. And then also, I mean, you may know this already, but I'm also at Cat Beauty now one day a week. Oh, as, no, I didn't know that. Okay. So that, so that is a place where people can walk in and find me, but I'm doing wellness sessions. So oh, it's cool. like, you know, if you want to guarantee a conversation, it's better to schedule. But one day a week, I'm, I'm in residency there. Oh, cool. So yeah, it's great. Love Super it great. Listen, I love wearing stretchy pants and you probably do too. There are so many choices out there and a lot of them can be really pricey. That's why I'm very excited to partner with a company founded by actress Kate Hudson called Fabletics. They're on a mission to help empower women by making a active lifestyle accessible to everyone. And they do this with their exceptionally low price point. And they're really cute too. They're really great. They're great quality. Honestly, I was a little bit nervous that with the price point being so low that the quality would be terrible or the fit would be bad. But honestly, these pants fit better than any other yoga pant or Pilates pant or long underwear. That's what I've been wearing them as in the cold underneath another pair of pants. And they're so comfortable. They hug you in like all the right places. They're, they're great. I really, really enjoy them a lot. They are your one-stop shop for affordable activewear. All of their designs are created in-house. And like I said, I was skeptical with this low price point, but the quality genuinely is great. Amanda and Megan also have a couple of pairs of these pants and love them. They work with me. And I'm actually wearing a pair right now. I love their high-waisted ones. I have this high-waisted green pair that's really great for wearing under like a slouchy pair of jeans or pants. It's great to layer in. And anyway, before I forget, Fabletics is offering you, our listeners, an incredible deal you don't want to miss. You can get two pairs of leggings for only $24. That's a $99 value when you sign up for becoming a VIP. You can just go to fabletics.com slash let it out to take advantage of this deal. That's fabletics.com slash let it out to get your two pairs of leggings for $24. Also, you can get free shipping on orders over $49 and international shipping is available. There's absolutely no commitment on your first order. It's it's really great. I, I actually really genuinely love these pants and the workout tops. They're, the people who work there are really nice, actually. I got to talk to them. If you've never tried Fabletics, I highly recommend starting at their collections page so you can get an idea of some of the trending pieces. And they're always adding new styles and new prints every single month. So check it out. Like I said, there's no commitment, but you can get 50% off off of regular pricing if you are part of their VIP program, but you don't even have to do that. Check them all out. All you have to go to is fabletics.com slash let it out to take advantage of this now. That's fabletics.com slash let it out to get two pairs of leggings for $24. And again, be part of the no commitment, no monthly purchase minimum, nothing like that but you can get free shipping if your orders are over $49. So check them out. I think you'll really like them. And thank you, Fabletics, for sponsoring. Let's do some quick fire questions to end. So just kind of say the first thing that comes to mind. Some of these won't be quick. <laughs> just to, but I'll warm you up with some quick ones. Okay. What's the best thing you've eaten in the last week? 
Oh my gosh. I think it was only a week ago. Um, something called Galbi Gym. My fiance and his friend cooked this incredible Korean stew. Ooh. Super complicated and so delicious. Oh, it was like so good and warming, spicy, and and perfect for this time of year. Yeah, it was delicious. Yeah. How did you meet your fiance? We met at a fashion agency, <laughs> and now he works in food, and I work in plants. So Isn't that funny, yeah. yeah. What's your greatest lesson on romantic relationships? Mm. I don't want to say communication again because I said that already. Mm-hmm. I mean, I'm really a fan of going, going with it, meaning (laughs) against all logic sometimes, you know, your, what you feel is, is sometimes so much more intelligent. How long have you guys been together? We have been together. Oh my gosh, I'm terrible. (laughs) Four years, four years now. Our anniversary was yesterday, which was one, one year of being engaged. Um, and we met around the same time. So I think it's been four years now. Yeah. It's always hard for me to remember that stuff too. (laughs) You would know exactly. (laughs) Have you had any hard breakups? What did, what did they teach you? Yes. I had two that were heart wrenching. Well, I wrote a book about one of them. Oh really? Yeah. Here, I'll show you. Oh. Well, I'm in the midst of one, so. <laughs> Is it about ro- romantic relationships? Yes. I No, not, I'm not in the midst of a book. I'm in the midst of a breakup. Oh, <laughs> I'm sorry. Thank you. <laughs> so, oh, wow. This is so cool. Where can people get this? Nowhere. Oh. <laughs> it's published, but I really wow. like, nobody knows about this. Exclusive. Um, yeah. So that was the first hard breakup. That was a hard breakup because we, you know, I think, uh, I think that he, I'm trying to think how much I should say publicly. How old were you? Uh, About 25, 24. It was uh, in Seattle before I Mm -hmm. moved to New York. And my family wanted me to marry him. He wanted to marry me. Everybody loved him. We were an amazing pair. It definitely could have happened. I can relate. Yeah. You know, and there are those things, I mean, to me, the breakups and, not even in retrospect, in the moment, the hard ones feel like, or for me, they have felt like life with this person is entirely possible, but we are choosing for it not to be. Totally. And it feels like life splits in that moment. And, you know, part of your being, part of your soul and alternate, you know, reality, whatever it is, continues on. Yeah. And that life goes forward and you are together. Sliding doors. <laughs> yeah, Totally. And we chose not to, and it was super hard and it hurt. And I, you know, was running like multiple times a day and felt like I lost half my body, like meaning, you know, my soul. And it's just, that's, that's how both of the breakups have been. It's felt like losing a limb or something. And I went back to my favorite therapist and was like, help me make sure that I process this right. Cause this feels really, really big. And then I moved to New York and we're f- great friends now. And he's actually, I'm going to talk to him tonight after, wow. after this. Wow. Yeah. And it, it took a while to come back to that, but I consider him a friend for life. And when you know someone that intimately, you know, and you can maintain a friendship, obviously it's really meaningful. I really look forward to that. I'm not near that. Yeah. But what advice helped you through that or what advice would you give someone through that what helped me through both of these breakups was a consistent healthy or the best you can do cathartic release Mm -hmm. 
So when I was going through this, I didn't actually write the book until afterward because it was too painful for me to sort of be in the moments. I was, those, those journals up there are my sort of, I don't know, my safeties, if you will. Mm -hmm. I was writing and literally I would just, I would check in every night and it's like still here, still here, still here, like just checking in and making sure that I was not detaching from the situation, that I was not burying it with anything unhealthy. I would say as much as it hurts, the more you can feel it and let it let it express out. itself. Yep. Let it out. Then the better you're going to be with all of it. And these things are, are crazy and they're, they're deaths in their own way. And as hard as it is, it's also this sort of tragically beautiful and, you know, poignant experience in There's life. richness to that, it, I'm finding. Yeah. You know, and it's fascinating and it's hard and it's sad, but it's also like, wow, what a thing to feel or what a thing to experience. I never knew I could be this, you know, broken or, or whatever it is or angry or, you know, and I just tried to observe it all as much as possible and let it, yes, out, let it out. So you had another breakup after this breakup? Yes. <laughs> what did that one teach you? Was that different? Um, Was it where the experience is similar? The relationship's probably could not have been more opposite <laughs> except that I do also think that life with this other person would have been possible like it was an immediate you know soul latch and we were together for four plus years here in New York during the sort of starving phase so really really bonded over the mm -hmm. hardness of being here and fascinating how deeply we were connected but it was not a healthy relationship. There was a lot of codependence and the lifestyle was super unhealthy, which was really hard for me. I was trying to help myself and help him and, you know, keep us out of the, the, the dark alleys of New York bar scene and that kind of thing. And just, it was hard. And then that one, I think it was, it was different in the end because I chose to leave as opposed to it being a little bit more of a mutual thing. And I got to experience what it's like to leave somebody who it, who it appears is 100% dependent on you. Mm. And that is different and scary in its own way. You know, literally fearing that this person won't survive if you're not there to take care of them. And a lot of pressure. So, yeah. So, it took me a long time to kind of get there. And then after we broke up, I was going through some of the same symptoms as before, grieving and feeling the severity of it. But the symptoms persisted and persisted and persisted for like a solid year afterward. And I started to really worry about the inability to recover from the breakup. It was so intense. And so finally, I reached back out to him and I was like, I'm having a really hard time getting over this like are you okay did you do it and he was in the exact same place as me and it it turns out that we had to like reconnect and we had to talk again more we had to like reconnect not for the terrible just sort of let's relive our our sort of traumas again but to sort of officially disconnect again wow. to process it it felt and undone somehow it was it did you say undone yeah 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 we, it felt like, um, 
there's a an idea in shamanism called soul loss where part of your soul leaves your body during trauma and is supposed to return after the trauma and a lot of times it doesn't and there are these practices to help sort of tell your soul that it's safe to come back or to pull it back in and it was not something that I knew very much about or thought much about but I learned I learned about it or learned more about it after that experience and could not be more convinced that that was what was was what I was experiencing. That's what it felt like. My soul was so entwined with this other person still. What did you do to get it back? There was something in that reconnection where we were able to say more, say, I think what we needed to do were say the last words and sort of officially acknowledge that we were separating and that we were going to be okay. And maybe it was me seeing him, you know, a year later and he had, survived barely but survived and just kind of say it again started dating other people during that time no no I definitely couldn't get near anyone I was extremely single (laughs) I was like austerely single totally sober I moved out here I was in this place by myself I was working a lot I was launching the the company mm-hmm. so i was getting up really early working everything was like bright white stark it was very interesting and severe contrast to the time with him which felt very dark mm-hmm. and hidden and hard and low and this was a sort of blinding phase where i was emerging into a whole different place and um and eventually yeah we you know we've recovered and <laughs> I would say I learned the exact same thing. You have to feel it and you have to let it let it move through you. Mm-hmm. So, are you friends with this person now? <sighs> no. We New York is amazing. We've seen each other one time since we broke up. And What was that like? It was just a random run in. Totally random run in. It was actually pretty recently. We just saw each other and like had the shock and I sort of you know, put my hand up like mm-hmm. hi, but it was not a time to stop and talk. Like, right. He was talking to someone else, whatever. Did it feelings? Oh yeah. yeah. I had to like walk around the corner yeah. and like breathe. <laughs> <laughs> and I think we're okay now and we'll probably talk at some point and that will be great. But I'm fairly certain we won't be friends. Like I've, you know, rekindled a, a friendship with this person. I think just knowing him and how he processes emotions. And, you know, I think that it's something he'll prefer to leave behind Mm -hmm. a door. And I totally respect that, you know. When you were ready to date after that relationship, did you have fear that you would, about finding a person that you felt cozy with or felt that connection with? And how did you know your fiance was the, you know, fit like a glove? Yeah. I don't, think I've ever been afraid of having to go through the heartbreak again. This is a big part of my personality and and a a way that I hope to live always, which is when I mentioned earlier, you know, about relationships and going with that sensation, even if it seems illogical or, you know, irrational. I think life is so short that when we have the opportunity to fall in love, or be in love, or just be in a really healthy relationship, or get our heart broken, or, you know, fall in love at the cost of getting your heart broken, that it's worth it. So I don't know myself 
yet. It could happen, but I don't know myself yet to shy away from something like that because of the potential of it hurting so damn bad when it ends. I think it's all still worth it. However, my fiance is fabulously well balanced. (laughs) So after having some very dramatic relationships and getting older, that kind of thing becomes attractive in a way that to a younger me, I probably wouldn't be attracted to it. And now it's like absolutely wonderful that there's no drama, you know, and that's not something you can predict. And that's not something you can know about yourself ahead of time, you know, and everyone's so much of life is timing. Yeah. Oh yeah, totally. Relationships are timing. Yeah. You know, if you had to pick a breakup herb, what would it be? Oh, what a good one. The strongest sedative. No, these I'm always end up. These conversations always end up. You know, I've been doing this since I was 22. So if I, so I've like grown up on the internet. So these conversations always end up being a mirror to what was going on in my life, based on what I'm asking. <laughs> so you can always. Uh, gosh, a breakup herb. What a good question. I would not recommend something numbing. I would recommend something to replenish your heart. I mean, the first thing that comes to mind is rose. You know? I knew you were going to say that. Yeah. I don't well, know why. Then you pro- Do you have some? No. Let me it's see. It's also if I my have- middle name. <laughs> oh, <laughs> literally. Get some rose and you should probably have it around. It's so all funny. Forms. I have kind of like no reason to know that, but I just like had, I was like, she's going to say rose. So then there's a, that's a good, yeah, that's a good sign. So rose petals. And put it in um, everything. Tea, like teas. Okay. <laughs> yeah. Rose petals in tea. I would use essential oil. Make sure it's a good quality and okay. just like smell it, bring it with you. You could bathe with it. Um, you could do any kind of rose hydrosol like for your face or yeah. your heart even. I mean, roses, you know, it's heart medicine. Okay. Um, that, and then second to that, I mean, I would think about, I think about oat, oat seed or oat straw. Oat straw, I've been putting that in my infusion. Okay. Yeah. That's for emotional, you know, grief and, um, recovery. I know that. Yeah. From a from an energetic standpoint, it's recommended for grief or um, any kind of anxiousness that comes with an emotion. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, it's also good for anxiety in general. Just Maybe kind of a calming. tincture of that would be good for me then. That would be nice, yeah. yeah. Like an oat seed tincture. And then also, if you do feel a lot in your heart, hawthorn berries are one of the best herbal medicines for heart. And that's very literal. So it's great for like your cardiovascular mm-hmm. your system and health heart health, but, you know, love potions or heart tonics or, you know, heartbreak can also be treated with some of these herbs that are good for your heart. So, but Rose. Okay. I'm on it. Especially since it's your name. (laughs) Yeah. That's funny. I tend to feel my anxiety like right here, like underneath my boobs, like, yeah, Mm. like below my, above my stomach. Like it's like right there. Yeah. Everyone feels anxiety kind of different places. Yeah. Any other anxiety herbs? Oh man, so many. So, I mean, I really did choose my favorites for the herbals. So lavender. Yeah, tell us about the herbals. So the herbals, those are herbal gummies. I designed them. The first flavor, so there will be more. The first flavor is called Nerveless and it's for stress and anxiety relief. 
And the herbs in there are my favorites for stress and anxiety relief. And they're meant to be used anytime you need, but you can use it during the day. So these are not herbs that are going to make you, you know, sedated. And it's lavender, which is, you know, the plant for peace, oat seed, oat straw, which we were talking about, L-theanine, which I mentioned earlier, ashwagandha for lowering the cortisol levels, and then skullcap, which is a nervine that is it's similar to Xanax in its action in the brain. Cool name too. Yeah. <laughs> and it's really sweet. It's like green and it doesn't taste funky and it sounds scary, you know, skull cap, but it's not. So those are great. So herbs for anxiety, I tend to recommend the nervines and that's a category. All of those are nervines except for the ashwagandha. Other nervines, some are sleep on the sleep side and some are more daytime would be like uh, chamomile, California poppy, passion flower, lemon balm. Lemon balm is a really nice daytime herb for anxiety and mood support. It's a really good mood support. More so than anxiety even, it would say it's good for mood. Rose can be very calming. There are so many. I think, you know, what's really important with anxiety treatment is to try to understand how for you it manifests. Mm -hmm. So some people are going to feel it there, you know, between the ribs. Some people are going to feel it in their stomach. Some people it's their mind 100%. Some people it's their heart. Some people it's their muscles and their shoulders. And the best way at it, which is not always possible because we can't always identify the cause, but the best way at it is try to reduce anything mm -hmm. that's causing it. Then if you want herbs, you want herbs for your specific manifestation of anxiety. So if your shoulders are up at your ears, consider kava kava. Mm -hmm. If your mind is racing, consider skullcap. If you feel heavy, heavy, you know, hearted, consider the rose, consider the oat, consider the hawthorn. What about mine right here? Yeah. <laughs> it's weird. <laughs> That's where I feel it too, Time. honestly. Oh, great. <laughs> <laughs> and I have always wondered, you know, how linked is it to my digestive system and microbiome, which I think largely actually as a kid, I had severe anxiety as a kid and I would actually throw up on a regular basis because of it. But it doesn't feel stomach though. Like I know and I have like, it's an like butterflies. Yeah. 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 So that's, I mean, that's kind of solar plexus yeah, territory totally. there. Where else do you feel it? I'll get back to you. I'm okay. feeling very calm right now. <laughs> yeah. So. It's, um, that's a tricky, that's a tricky spot. Um, but it comes in waves. So I'll probably leave here and feel wildly anxious. Who knows? Oh, I it's, hope not. <laughs> I mean, it's just, you know, like right now I feel pretty good, but I like hear a song that like reminds sure. me of something or something and suddenly Sure. Taking a bullet, you know? Yeah. And it's sometimes, especially with herbs, because they work on so many different levels. So for some people, they have, you know, no interest in energetic medicine. If you have interest in energetic medicine, plants, you know, mm -hmm. can offer you that. If you want just the science of it, what, you know, compounds are in this plant. Yeah. How they work, you can come at it from any one of those directions. So if you're thinking about anxiety and, you know, okay, so we've identified one place that mm -hmm. it manifests for you. You're free to think about some other ways that it might manifest for you or things that you feel or sense like what color is it? What temperature is it? what frequency is it, what mm -hmm. any, any other clues, because anxiety especially is a very complicated mix of the psychological and the physiological. And we just get into that loop, right? Yeah. So you have a lot of opportunities to intercept it and it might be visual, 
sensorial and maybe tactile mm-hmm. and the plants could can be part of that interception anywhere for like well i can't yeah directly treat your solar plexus then yeah, you yeah, might yeah. be able to find it another way you know yeah I'll, so. I'll get back to you. I'm going to like notice my anxiety next time. Yeah. Where can I get the herbals? Where can people find them? Yeah. And ev- all of your, all of your things. I mean, all of my things. So you can definitely find everything on Instagram, my website. My we'll website is just Rochelle. Yeah. Robin. Can you buy com. them in New York? Yes. You can buy them at the Alchemist Kitchen. Oh, that's where I'm going to switch my morning meeting. <laughs> Friday. (laughs) I may see you there. Great. Um, So you can buy them at the Alchemist Kitchen, Cap Beauty, Regular Visitors, which is in Brooklyn. They're about to be, as of Friday, they'll be at Upstate Stock, which is in Greenpoint area. They're also available online from my shop. They're available at Boquetto Wellness, which is another retailer. There are new locations that are carrying them all the time. We'll We'll link to all of the above. Yeah, totally. And then I think the best way to sort of keep in touch with the things that I'm studying and like down on the weeds on is my monthly newsletter. Mm, I so love I your just, newsletter. Thank you. Yeah. It's super fun to put together. Yeah, I'm on it. I, I love that. Thanks. Speaking of social media, though, how do you handle your relationship to social media, digital wellness boundaries? You're, you are already mentioned some with your phone, like you're not on screens in the evening. But what about, you know, during the day, you you're prolific, you get a lot done, but you also have to use it for work. So what are some of your thoughts? Yeah, I, more and more, I'm being very purposeful about the amount of time that I spend on social media and technology in general. So in the last few months, since about September of last year, I've started to severely limit the amount of time that I'm replying to things online. So I'm using inbox filters. So my inbox is, you know, blocked or coming in at certain times of the day or scheduling messages. What do you use for that? What are some of the apps? It is called Inbox When Ready is one of them. Cool. Oh, it's great. It's like a free add-on and basically you, when you open your inbox, it looks empty and you choose when you want to engage with the inbound messages. This just changed my life and anxiety. This is like an herb. <laughs> this it's is wonderful. This is an adaptogen. <laughs> yes. And it, it, I mean, it probably is what mo- a lot of people need instead of an adaptogen. Totally. Yeah. So being really purposeful about, am I in here to write an email? Is it one of the six things that I have to do today? Mm-hmm. I mean, I'm trying to do less than six even. It's like, what yeah. are the three things I have yes. to do today? only have to do those things. And then you probably feel accomplished enough that you don't even feel like you need to get back on the computer into the inbox. Sometimes it means it takes me longer to reply to email, but this is fascinating. I, in this practice, I have realized that, or I've noticed that I'll be sweating this sort of reply that I haven't sent yet, right? I saw it. I didn't mean to see it, Mm -hmm. but it came in. I have to reply and I'll get to it. And I look, when did the email come in? And it came in like two days ago. And I'm like, where did we get the sense of urgency where somebody can't wait, you know? And in some cases you can't, I understand work environments and all this. Sometimes you can't, you know, wait several days, but in general, you know, the sense that we've got to be at inbox zero all the time. I mean, that would be, that would be lovely, but like it is a, it is a self-imposed. Yeah. (laughs) I've been thinking about that so much of just like, I go a couple of days, like today I've been running around the city, recorded two podcasts, not on my computer at all. 
which is fine, but I have this sense of like, what came in? What like I feel behind. Sure. When I worked, like this is work, this is my work too. Yeah. But like I feel like I didn't work today because I think of work as like being on my computer responding to everything. Mm-hmm. And I'm finding that like I have, like you said, I have office days and I'm out of office days. But that feeling of an office day, I feel kind of more accomplished at the end of the day sure. when I should feel just as accomplished for the things I've done today, even though I was out. Yeah. So it's just an interesting balance of like, like you said, email, some, I heard this is not my thought, but it's from something. It's just a filing request for other people's needs. Yes. And you don't, like you were saying with your three things that you have to do that day, that's what I have to come to my computer with of like, sometimes I even like go like this with my email. <laughs> oh my gosh, you like love this, this plugin. And then I'll, yeah. And then I'll be like, I just came in there to check this yeah. time. And like, I'm <laughs> not going, like, cause it just gives me like, gives me the, I call it the chemicals when I feel, oh, yeah. cause it feels like chemicals totally. to me, like rushing chemicals. right there. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Anyway. Okay. So thank you. That's You're the most so powerful right. herb. What's yeah. it called again? Inbox when ready. Inbox when ready. Okay, it's great. exactly, it's blocking. Yeah. Like you said, and it's a filing request for other, or filing system, system for other mm-hmm. people's requests. And it's us being, feeling obligated to react. And that is, you know, a yeah. pull, not a push and not an intentional way to spend your time. And a creativity suck. Mm-hmm. Like it, nothing sucks creativity than me responding to, because it's like, it feels like I'm being productive. Mm-hmm. It feels like I'm getting a lot done when I'm responding thank you and yes to emails that don't even need a response. <laughs> or I'm just kind of, I'm doing a certain, it's a lot easier to do the admin stuff because it takes. Sure, it's fast. Yeah. And that can be, creative stuff kind of takes you to kind of like get yeah. into it and take some, yeah. It's, yeah. Well, that's a that's another thing that I've been working on is budgeting So budgeting time. So if I'm going to do email, so today I had to do email and I gave myself an hour, Mm -hmm. which is not enough time, but whatever. I gave myself an hour because that's what I had today. And it was start the clock, literally set a timer on my phone, reply to email for one hour and then stop. And that's all I can do today. The rest of the time I have to do something else. Or if it's a big creative project, trying to give myself big chunks of time rather than lots of little chunks of time. And that is not a novel concept. It's, you know, productivity sort of known that the more we splinter up our time and multitask, generally the less efficient we are. So, you know, if you have a, I had a menu development project to do. So I gave myself, you know, that was my first project for today before any inputs had come into my brain. And I didn't look at anything until I was done with it. And that was far more productive than if I had tried to work on it, you know, for an hour every night this week or something like that. And don't you feel that I feel so much better when I end a work day having completed one thing rather than like gotten a little bit of progress on like 12 things. Totally. Totally. Yeah. But it's hard. It's not for some reason that's not where we are right now in terms of, you know, work expectations and like an office environment and that sort of thing. And that's why I often look at like today I was out in the world really early in the morning and I was like looking at people going to work and I just found myself kind of looking at them and I didn't even know where these people were going, but they looked, you know, dressed up. And so I was like, God, I kind of wish I went to a job where I just did one thing and Mm -hmm. then I closed my computer and I was done. (laughs) And I, of course, don't actually wish that and I don't (laughs) want that. And I've had that, but I, I just, 
yeah, there felt there because I have so many little things that I feel like I need to do. I can end up feeling like I'm doing nothing at all. And that's, I was jealous of that sense of completion, but I can get that myself by just single tasking. Yeah. Yeah. Hard thing to do though. You have to break Mm -hmm. a lot of expectations and kind of habits and molds. Yeah. Any other productivity tips or advice that's helped you or apps that you use or anything? Hmm, apps. I mean, I use Boomerang for scheduling emails and sending myself reminders. I use Google Calendar like nuts. Everything is in my calendar. I am starting to set timers on my phone more often, which is like a small thing, but I feel like I've started to see other people do it too. And it's a, it's sort of a thing now, you know, like I have an hour to clean, I have an hour to whatever it is or an hour or sometimes four hours where I'm not looking at my phone Mm -hmm. and just making sure that it's off in a way. I'm definitely using the built-in timers on apps that the Apple has now that's like you've spent 15 minutes Mm -hmm. on social media, you know, do you want to continue or not? So trying to minimize that. Uh, I listen to a lot of audio books, which I guess is not like an efficiency thing, but I do that if I'm sort of manually like working in the apothecary or something. I don't know if I have any others. I just generally try to keep it yeah, to a minimum, okay. but yeah. Yeah. What's your favorite part of your life right now? I can I just say the work overall? Can I just say supernatural? For sure. Supernatural. No, wait, wait. The herbals. <laughs> those. I'm so excited. I love to those try things those. all all around every way. They're like it's they're like so my cool. children right now. So cool. Yeah. There's nothing like that else out there right now, which is really cool. Yeah. yeah. They're I'm so excited to try. Greatest lesson on friendship. Hmm. <laughs> Those are hard. I don't know. I just feel like saying like, let it be and, and love, you know, I've seen friends, friendships evolve over time into different relationships and different relationships and different relationships. And that's fine. Yeah. Good. Greatest lesson on spirituality, God, what do you think happens when we die? Where are you with that? I think that this will be something that I am pursuing my entire life. And I don't think I'm going to find an answer to that, but I am, funny phrase, hellbent on experiencing whatever I can in between my understanding of it and whatever the world has to offer. So a lot of that looks like mystical experiences. Some of that looks like psychedelics and plant medicine. Some of that looks like breath work or deep meditation or silent retreats or whatever it is, mm-hmm. whatever it does that sort of bends our mind and gives us a little bit of a, an experience of what else is out there. So we always talk about body image on the podcast and I usually frame this question. Have you ever, you know, struggled with, with that? That's one thing I'm curious about. And then if you have, or when you do, when you're having just like a bad day or not feeling great about yourself, how do you pivot out of that? What do you do? I've definitely had experiences with that before with weight changes related to modeling, not related to modeling, being heavier than I felt was, you know, appropriate for my body or my life or where I wanted to be. I've had other body image issues related to addiction, which is not something that a lot of people know about me, but alcoholism runs in my family. There have been periods in my life where I've been in that hole and that is 
you know, not good for a body, especially for somebody like me, who's also frankly obsessed with, you know, the, the light side of life. And it's, yeah, it's super hard. Sometimes I pivot out of it by getting really inspired to just get really healthy. And I've done that multiple times. So short story, I was in that relationship, the dramatic second one. And at a time we were both alcoholics and I quit drinking. And that was part of what led to our breakup because we went in such opposite directions. It was not easy, but I just quit 100% and didn't touch alcohol for a year after that. That obviously drastically changed my body and my life at the time. And that took a lot of working up to like planning and gain, I mean, a long time in the works to like get back to a place of feeling like I could even control it, especially having grown up in an alcoholic home. So sometimes it's just like sheer will and resolve to, you know, be healthier. And then I would say on a smaller scale, there's the gentler, you know, remember that we are not perfect. Our idea of perfection is surely skewed. Many of us have it far better than we could or others do, or we will later on when we age and our bodies, you know, change or are broken or, you know, sick. So there's just this reminder of like, you're probably just fine right now, you know? So those are the two sides of it, I would say. What about style? I think you have such great style every time I've seen you or, or met you in person. And obviously of these fashion roots, does that help you with confidence and body image? And yeah. <sighs> I miss some of my clothes that I used to wear. I mean, I used to wear heels every single day. I was like to the nines and had a lot more fun with it. But also I have to say when I started working in wellness and was like, wait, really? I can wear Birkenstocks every day? This is amazing. So now there was a transition where I went from dressing for the role. And even in the fashion world, when I was working in these agencies and we had these different clients, I would dress differently. And there was an expectation that you would dress differently based on the clients. Like if I'm going to see Estee Lauder today, I'm not going to wear what I would wear to the Alexander Wang meeting, you know? Mm -hmm. So there was that, which was fun, but also like not always an expression of my uh, each each day. Totally. Yeah. And then when I really was fully independent in wellness, I had a phase where I just like went sort of super casual and literally was wearing Birkenstocks all the time and like, you know, muumuu dresses because I could and it was fun and I loved it. And it, you know, I think it still looked nice, but it was extremely casual and and simple. I stopped wearing makeup, like just took it all off. And I think now I'm in a stage of like balancing those mm-hmm. two out where I still love clothes, but I also don't want to buy clothes from the places that I used to buy clothes. So I'm interested in, you know, secondhand stores and, you know, less waste, less cost just because it's a lower priority, but still having fun. And it is still very much from day to day. Like I can't plan the outfit ahead of time. I have to wake up. I have to say, how do I feel today? Which is a nice sort of check in with yourself too. And yeah. that's that's that thing I've been doing since I was a kid, which was like, who are you today? Are you wearing the yeah. wings or are you wearing the, you know, the boots, the loafers, yeah. whatever. And then dressing accordingly. I think I'm just a little limited now because I've chosen to make it a lower priority in my yeah. life. But 
it's still super fun. And, and yes, it helps feeling, you know, feeling yeah. better if you're feeling down. Lipstick helps me. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> a hat. I love hats. Yeah, you are. You rock a hat very well. Also, I remember this may be strange, but I remember really liking your nail polish. You had like just <laughs> glitter at the top. I have like one left. Oh, now. yeah. And I loved <laughs> I loved that. And I did it this summer after I totally copied you. And I was like, this is great because it grows out and it shows them not being dirty. It was yeah. like, win-win. Total proof of it growing out. I have just two glitter nails left. I really enjoy it. Yeah. Okay. This is the portion of the Let It Out show where you recommend things. So I usually frame this as you're on a deserted island and you can bring with you an all-time favorite, but it can be something you've been liking recently. Don't overthink it. So these are the different categories. So your favorite TV show, film, music, book, these are just things you want to recommend. And then maybe like a quote or a, a mantra and then like a favorite food. Okay. So I take in almost zero television or film. So I would recommend a book and I'll recommend the book that do you have like an all-time favorite though of movie or TV that you want to recommend? I literally can't recommend a TV like The Simpsons for t- or for TV. Okay, How's that? great. Yeah, the Simpsons and a movie that you like loved or like as an all-time favorite. <sighs> a movie. Oh my gosh, it's okay. I can't. did. I mean, I did love Eternal Sunshine of the Spotless oh. Mind. I think about that movie a weirdly oddly <laughs> amount. <laughs> it's very good. Yeah. So we like, we can use that one. Great. My fiance would cringe. He's he's phenomenally well-versed in film. So anyway, I would recommend the book. I'll say Varieties of Religious Experience because that was like way over my head as a kid and something I started reading, which was the, the early exploration of me into mysticism and spirituality and still feels like, feels like one I'll probably reread multiple times in my life. So cool. What about music? What are you listening to currently or what do you like or would want to recommend? I'm a pretty big fan of like Nico Jar and Nico Jar-esque sounds. Um, but honestly, if I were on an island, I would probably choose like Wagner opera. I mean, yeah. <laughs> uh, what about like a quote or mantra that stuck with you? Mm, I will go with let it be. Do you have a mentor or a person that you want to recommend that people check out? Hmm. Yes. I'm going to nominate Ken Jordan, who's the founder of Evolver. And Evolver is a company that's been around for about 10 years. They're behind the Alchemist Kitchen and the Bowery Cannabis Club and that whole group. Okay. Yeah. So he has been in this world for a long time doing sort of consciousness expansion education. And Thankfully, they he has a podcast now where he's interviewing people and really well connected. And it's a great picture of a sort of global community of people who are interested in plant medicine, you know, like I said, consciousness exploration or expansion, less wellness and a little bit more of the deeper spiritual or mystical or physical experience pursuits. So Ken Jordan, Evolver. The podcast is called The Evolver Podcast. Cool. Yeah. Uh, what about, I was going to ask you to like give a all-time favorite like deserted island herb if you could just freak one. Is that question stressful? No. I would choose nettle. Nettle oh, is I my buddy. Nettle. Yeah. I'm having nettle tea a lot. Yeah. Why? For, for people listening. I, <sighs> I take it because I hear it will help my hair be nice. 
it will help everything. No, I'm kidding. <laughs> nettle. I choose nettle because it is like eating your greens in terms of an herb, but also because I grew up with nettle stinging me all the time. And it was a plant I had no idea had medicinal value. It was just a pain in the ass because it gave you welts and whatever else. And then much later on, when I started working in herbalism, obviously rediscovered nettle as a medicinal plant. And it's your chlorophyll, it's your minerals, it's your greens, it's a natural antihistamine. It's all these different things. It tastes beautiful. It's a weed. So mm -hmm. it is minimal, you know, environmental impact. It's gorgeous. And then it is also conceptually something called a pharmacon, which means both the poison and the cure in that it stings you. You have a histamine reaction and get these welts. When you drink it internally, it's an antihistamine. So metal. Yeah. Yeah. So cool. <laughs> what is your favorite and least favorite parts of living in New York and some of your favorite spots that we, that we haven't already mentioned? I still feel like New York living here still feels like a dream come true. It still feels like the place that, you know, I romanticized this place. It was yes. so possible that I could have gotten here and been disappointed. And I absolutely love it. Like it's so hard and it can be so dirty and the winters are way too cold. But on a very regular basis, I'm like, I love it here. I love that you're smashed in with all this humanity every single day and you're sort of forced to, to look at the diversity of life on a regular basis. And there are plenty of bubbles here, but they're not as impenetrable as they can be in other places. Mm -hmm. So I really like that. I love, I've always loved that like you can take a new route to work by a block or two and see something new, find a new place. You can live in this city for years and years and years and never run into your ex. <laughs> Except one time. Except one time. And you know, my least favorite thing about it is probably the weather in the winter only. I love the summers. I can totally do the like 90 Hot, degrees same. and humid. Yeah. The winters are a little hard. And then of course I would love more nature, but I, I don't feel like I can ask for that and mm -hmm. New York City. So I'm not, you know. I was just thinking while you're talking, it's kind of like nettle. It's like when it's hard, it's so hard, but the medicine is kind of like leaning in, you know? <laughs> yeah, true. Yeah. yeah. It can sting you and also heal you. It has the capacity for yeah. both. Wow. That's great. Yeah. Take it. Yeah. I, this is my favorite portion of the podcast where we both get kind of loopy because I've had you for so long. <laughs> yeah, it's, kind of, it's kind of like oh, wait. a... <laughs> I didn't recommend favorite places. Oh, great. Um, Thank you. See? So loopy. the Alchemist Kitchen, of course. Yeah. Cap Beauty, yes. of course. Where else? All the parks, all the bike lanes. Uh, what else do I like? I don't eat out so often, but what are some favorite restaurants? Oh, Honey's. I love Honey's in Brooklyn. Oh, I've never been. It's a Where is that? I was there last night, two nights ago, for a glass of mead. So they make mead, oh, dandelion wine, cool. like all this beautiful... Let's go together sometime. <laughs> yeah, it's great. What neighborhood? Bushwick. Great. Fish. Let's yeah. go soon. That yeah. sounds so fun. It's great. And they do... So they, they're like a meadery. And then um, Tara Norvell, who's a new, like new friend. We're actually just building a relationship. Um, but I've loved her from afar for a long time. Um, we were like Instagram friends. Mm -hmm. She's a chef. She's very much into food as medicine and does a cool. lot of work with like mushrooms and all these different things. So she cooks there Monday, Tuesday, and Wednesday nights. That is 
a little, it's a little special place. And yeah. actually nobody really knows this yet, but that's where we're going to have our wedding. Oh my God. I was going to ask you, but uh, <laughs> yeah. Oh, exclusive. So we just, we had super exclusive. Like we haven't even sent save the dates. So. Let it out exclusive. <laughs> yeah. If you are a friend, <laughs> it will um, be coming soon. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, exactly. So yeah, oh, it's a so special exciting. little spot. Um, oh my God. Fine and raw chocolate is up there. I love fine and raw. They're Let's have the a best. Bushwick day and hang out. Um, yeah. I would love that. Great. Let's wait bike? till it's warm. Yeah. No, oh, I don't. But I, a bike. Okay. <laughs> I'll, I'll work on that. <laughs> and then when it's warm, yeah. Great. But by the time it gets warm, I will have a bike and we can hang. Yeah. And I think I think bikes in New York uh, make it... I can get a city bike. ...very pleasant too. Like I'm in love with riding my bike here. I also... I would say my favorite restaurant is Meta in Brooklyn. Oh, I haven't been there in, in um, Fort Greene. Okay. So amazing chef there. He's... He's going to do great things for the world, but cool. very, very minimal waste, super sophisticated fermentation projects, plant-based focus. He definitely does too. meat too. Yeah. But beautiful, beautiful, beautiful. So I'll say that for the restaurant. I'll say drinks at Honey's. I'll say dessert great. at Fine and Raw. And then all your like detox at Cap great. and the From Alchemist all, Kitchen. Great. That's like my <laughs> dream, dream day. Yeah. Okay. Well, I feel... Oh, greatest lesson on sobriety. I wanted to ask you that. Oh, yeah. Greatest lesson. That's a good one. I would say, I would say, I think the the hardest part about it in my experience is, is actually, maybe this sounds ridiculously obvious, but the hardest part is stopping, you know, um, as opposed to once you can get to that step. So for a lot of people, you know, I'm talking like the the casual drinkers, the people yeah. who feel suspect there's a dependency or are a little uncomfortable with how much they drink or know that it's not super healthy. There's an immense freedom and it sort of feels like this new beginning if you can get to the stage of stopping, even just for a little while, like the dry January thing is big for a lot of people. And, you know, we do live in a time where there are tons of alternatives to alcohol. This like zero proof movement is becoming a big thing. There are lots and lots of herbs that can help. I help a lot of my clients with this exploration of sobriety. And it doesn't have to be, you know, 100% forever if, you know, if you're not an addict that needs to be 100% mm -hmm. sober forever. So it's worth exploring. And it's a very, very fine line to walk depending on your relationship with alcohol or any substance that you might be addicted to or dependent on. For some people, it is a non-issue and they don't worry about it and they don't think about it and they can stop or they can have some or whatever. For a lot of people, there's all this guilt wrapped up with drinking. If you do do it, like we're not enjoying it. We're worried that we're having too much. We do have too much. We're dependent. So all of that goes away. Even just that for a period space. of time, that yeah. brain space. And it's, I've been saying it a lot lately that it's, it's the only way that I have found to slow down time mm. or to create more time, one and the same. And that, you know, if I could ask for one thing in this life, that's what it would be. So that alone is probably the largest motivator for me. So I drink now, but very rarely. And for me, the largest motivator is that fact. Yeah. It's more time. It's interesting because everything you were saying there, and I, I just hosted this thing where Ruby Warrington spoke about this, and 
I don't have that with alcohol. Like I, I just started drinking like maybe two years ago as when I was dating someone and like, because I was so, I was in an eating disorder and like mm. the coming of age years when one would get into drinking. And it was just this, some, it, anyway, I had a very complicated relationship to alcohol and sense of like, I don't ever, it's like nothing to me. Like yeah. if someone gives me like, I'm not really even interested, but it was actually good for me to like start drinking because sure. I was so orthorexic, you know, yeah. but everything you're saying is like, I have that propensity. My addiction is with food and controlling food and dieting and like the, the control, you yeah. know, and, and addiction is addiction, you know, whether it's mm -hmm. to work or to control or to food or to people, yeah. you know, it's like, it's all the same stuff in that brain space of like, what are you worshiping, you know, yeah. and can, where can you put that energy towards? And the complicated thing, the, the thing, and not that getting sober from alcohol is not complicated. It, I, it's not my thing, but it, I, I'm certain it is challenging, but I think with food and dieting and so many people who listen to this podcast are in recovery from eating disorders, you have to do it and yeah. you have to do it a bunch of times every day yeah. and that you can't cut out and yeah. that's hard. Yeah. That is, I mean, in, that is harder. Yeah. I think. Yeah. <laughs> you know? Yeah. It's compli more complicated. Definitely. Yeah. Well, this was a delight and yeah, the name of the show, you. as you know, is let it out. So do you feel like I wrung you dry? Is there anything <laughs> else that you wanted to share? Oh my gosh. I think, I mean, we, I really appreciated that we went into territory that I haven't gone into in podcasts or interviews, you know, at all. Great. So that is the point of this podcast. Kudos to you. Thank you. Yeah. They say a good podcast should feel like therapy. So, or oh. good interview should feel like therapy. Maybe I just need to do more interviews. I'm yeah. looking for another good therapist. I feel like therapy is essential one. for everyone. I have, I actually have two therapists right now. For, yeah. So I have options for you. <laughs> Thanks. Well, we always end with something that, is maybe strange, but I think you'll be into. So we let out a deep breath together. Oh, okay. I love it. Ready? So yeah. inhale and let it out. <sighs> Always feels a little better, right? Yeah. Yeah. Thank you. Thank you. Thanks for doing this. Okay, that was my episode with Rochelle. Thank you so much for listening. If you're listening right now all the way to the end, that means so much. It would be so cool if you could leave a review or share this with a friend. And at the very end, I'm going to tell you the emoji that you can comment on my Instagram, on Rochelle's Instagram to let us know you're still listening. But if you're thinking about starting a podcast, check out Let a Podcast Out. It's my online workshop that I love so much. And just take the course tour. It's completely free and you can check it out and you can get the first two modules completely for free. Plus on March 10th, I'm doing that hangout if you want to join and come. That'd be cool. Today's episode is brought to you in part by Emmy's Organics. They make these delicious treats that will satisfy a sweet tooth. They're made with organic coconut and almond flour. All their ingredients are natural, organic, no artificial ingredients, no preservatives. Everything's vegan, gluten-free, grain-free, soy-free. They go great with a cup of coffee or a little dessert or snack throughout the day. I have them for breakfast. My friend Carolina puts them in her kid's lunch. They're nationwide at Whole Foods or at Sprouts or CVS. 
they're really everywhere. And you can also get them at emmysorganics.com where you can get 40% off your first order. Again, that's 40% off your order with the code Let It Out at checkout at emmysorganics.com. Another reason why I love this company is because the people. The founder, Samantha, is lovely and her husband, Ian, made this company from scratch in a home kitchen in 2009 and they are actually a certified B Corp, which I learned from them is considered the highest standard of corporate responsibility, which I think is really cool. I love this company. I love these snacks. The peanut butter flavor happens to be my favorite. Second is the chocolate chip. Honestly, they're all good. The brownie's really good too. There's a matcha and a lemon. You know, I love them all, but those are my favorite. Peanut butter, I mean, can't go wrong. 40% off your first order at emmysorganics.com. Use the code Let It Out at checkout. I love you guys so much. Thank you for listening. I will be sending a new Let It Out letter very soon. I've just been very behind, but I think you're the best and I love you a lot. And the emoji for this week's episode is the rose. Because if you listened, you know why. It's also my middle name. And let's do the the dead rose. I feel like we've done that recently. Can someone tell me if we've done the dead rose recently? I don't remember. Let's do the alive rose. I think the alive rose, it's not as pretty of an emoji, I don't think. But I think that's just kind of what I need right now. So, love you guys. I'm going to go enjoy Paris. Bye. <laughs>